dig it! In the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance in this first half tonight. The doctor operates here. Well, he has trouble with the spin, and the ball is free! to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Hey, it was BYOG bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart, and they never quit. The doctor is now in. Happy Monday to you. Glad to have you wherever you may be. Hopefully you had a wonderful weekend. You cashed some tickets because we had football, didn't we? Yes, plenty of football yesterday, NFL style. Some college football on Saturday. We had hockey on Saturday, and we could have our final hockey game coming your way tonight as the Golden Knights are facing elimination. T.C. Martin Show, VGK, Ballpark Frank in the house. And the Quake on the other side of the proverbial glass making it all happen. Good day to you, Quakester. Good day to you, Franklin. What is happening, and uh, are we going to be... Talking about the Golden Knights after tomorrow. Well, I mean, I know I will still be. I mean, uh, and I'm still going to be watching hockey after tomorrow, regardless of what happens tonight. So, uh, you know, because I will be watching the Stanley Cup final, whether Vegas is in there or not, because I love hockey. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell. It's a a little offsetting to me when I hear Pete DeBoer saying stuff like, uh, well, we're not going to change anything now. we got to stay the course. And, you know, I mean, basically assuming that they're the better team and that eventually it's going to bounce their way. I immediately had flashbacks to season one when the Vegas Golden Knights were playing the Winnipeg Jets and Vegas was getting some bounces and Winnipeg's uh, coach and players came out and said, well, I mean, we're the better team. We're going to get the bounces eventually. And uh, the bounce they got was bounced out of the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, that's a little bit disconcerting to me, but we'll see how it plays out. I still think Vegas is the better team, but they need scoring from their top six players and they are not getting it. Shea Theodore has been sensational. The goaltending has been fine. They're not losing games because of goaltending. But uh, they need to find some scoring from the forwards, and they're not getting it. This, you know, going back to what you said about Winnipeg, you know, for me, this really kind of has that that uh, feel the way the series has gone of the Stanley Cup final against Washington, where you know when Washington got it to that lead, and you just kind of had the feeling, you know, the Golden Knights are not going to come back from this, and now being down three one in a a series where. They really have outplayed the Dallas Stars. Um, you know, they've outshot the Dallas Stars, but they have been outhit. And it goes back to the point where you and I have talked quite a bit about this that uh, the more physical team is going to win this series, and Dallas is definitely the more physical team. But yeah, the Golden Knights have outshot them. It seems like they've outplayed them, uh, been unfortunate, but it, it, you're right. Peter DeBoer seems like a broken record here, not pushing the panic button. But you're down three games to one. You're on the verge of elimination. This is this is panic time right now. And the way this series has played, especially the last two games, it, it, it kind of blows me away that the Golden Knights are once again a huge favorite tonight at $1.75. <laughs> well, one thing that that shows me is, first off, the majority of the betting or the lines are being set here in Vegas, and people in this town are still betting their team because they're backing them a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you mentioned the Washington series. Where I will differ with you a little bit on that is I thought Washington outplayed Vegas. 
Vegas, like you said, is actually out playing Dallas. Right. Well, that's definitely. A, that, yeah, that's yeah. why we're out, yeah. that's what reminds me. But I didn't get the. the f- I guess my point is I, I didn't get the feeling after three games, four games, that the Golden Knights were going to come back and win that series. Right. Right. right yeah. yeah. And that's why I. That's why it reminds me of Winnipeg because Winnipeg right. thought that they were out playing Vegas and Vegas was getting the bounces. So it is a little bit strange there. Now again, maybe what Pete DeBoer is saying is maybe what he's telling us in the media is coach speech, and he's in the bubble, so can he do that even more? Maybe in the locker room he's saying different stuff. We don't know the message he's given to the team. I would hope there's something. And for him to say we're not going to change anything, well, right there he's kind of talking out of both sides of his mouth because he's changing lines and doing things pretty much every game out there. So there's going to be some changes. Maybe he just doesn't want to tip his hand to let Dallas know what they're going to be, but I think Dallas is on to it that there, there might be a couple different changes out here. I don't know exactly what they are. Um, it, it, it's funny because we talked about Stasny was the only one in front of the net. He did get the goal in the game that they one of the goals in the game that they won because he did shoot the puck. You could argue that he's been the most offensive player out there. He's the one that's taking opportunities and getting chances in that. The other guys are not doing their job right now. Um, I don't know. I, I'm sure we're going to see Robin Leonard once again, but uh, Vegas is in a strange situation right now. And if they do lose this game. What a crazy offseason it's going to be. Oh, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> you know, and, and then you wonder, are there going to be changes? Do, do, do you do something different on the power play to try to get that going? Ryan Reeves and his line and carrier, they played like seven minutes last game. They're not getting any ice time. This is the line that he likes to start to send that message. Well, if you start a line that never plays in the rest of the game, what message are you sending? Hey, we're just going to show that you're going to get physical. Oh, wait a second. You're still beating the hell out of us out here on the ice. So I, I'm not really sure. You know, Maybe you put Reeves on the power player, carry a big body in front of there. Maybe you try to get it nasty and dirty. They keep on saying they're going to get in front of Hubota to make it difficult for him. I still haven't seen that happen. No. I saw no. it happen in the one game they won. Yeah, if you're not making changes like that and you haven't made it up to this point, you're not all of a sudden going to do it. And going back to what you said about – uh, the goaltending, you know, really, it, it's not Leonard's fault. I, I'll I'll go to the other side of that to a certain degree. And you know, when you when you're down three games to one in a series, and especially the last game, you and I watched that last game together on Saturday, and I, I can point some blame at, at Leonard for for giving up those goals. Oh, the one goal was ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and again, he, he there's been a soft goal here and there, but what I mean is overall it hasn't been the goaltending. Right. You still you have to score more than zero or one goals <laughs> right. to win a game. Right. Where uh, Kubotin uh, has uh, stopped 119 of the 125 shots that he has seen from the Golden Knights. And again, here's another guy that really we're not really talking too much about or weren't talking too much about leading into the series. It was all about uh, Leonard, Fleury, the Golden Knights, and what they're going to do. But this guy's been phenomenal. Just. You know, pretty much what we've seen in the last series. Well, again, what we talked about at the start of the playoffs was Ben Bishop is injured. How yeah. far can Hubodin take yeah. him? He's a backup goaltender. He's a good backup goaltender. He's had a good season this year, but he's not even the starter. We talked about Bishop getting injured and how when your starting goalie goes down, that can be an absolute death sentence for a lot of teams out there. It certainly was for Colorado. I'm still convinced that's why Dallas is even here. I still think Colorado, if Grubauer stays healthy, they probably win that series. That series went seven games. But who Bowden's had an opportunity. He's made the most of it. He's played well. He's had games here and there when he hasn't been sensational, but it's only one game. Then he comes back in the next game and he plays out of his mind. But it hasn't all been the goaltending. They're shooting the puck wide. They're shooting it high. And when they do shoot it on goal, half the time it's right into the crest. You, you, can't, you can put it through the five hole. You can't literally shoot it through a goaltender. 
Yeah, we were joking about the Dallas logo, the Stars logo right there in the center. That seems to be like the bullseye target because that's exactly what the Golden Knights are hitting. There's an interesting statistic. The uh, NHL's Twitter account uh, shared it earlier today. Uh, the Knights' top five or six uh, forwards, goal, goal scoring-wise, uh, Pacioretty, zero goals in the last seven games. Uh, Marches So and Riley Smith, zero goals in the last ten games. William Carlson, one goal in the last ten games. Mark Stone, one goal in the last ten games. Like it's really, uh, it's really apparent that our top six players are not producing like they need to be producing. Without Shea Theodore, they're not they're they're not even still alive. Yeah, Shea, Shea Theodore has come to his own in this playoffs, and it's great when you get scoring from the defense. But when that's the only scoring you're getting, that's a really bad sign for advancing in the playoffs. So how much of this really goes to DeBoer in coaching? Because we would never have these type of conversations. It was 180 degrees the other way, you know, when, I don't want to say, when Gallant was, was, was the head coach of this team. But, I mean, Vegas was known for, for their speed, for their precision, and for their goal scoring, you know, uh, all, all the way up until, you know, these playoffs or... You know, even earlier this season, they were, they were scoring goals. And we're going back to the last two postseasons, even though they had the early exit last year. But this does not look like the same Golden Knights team offensively that we're accustomed to seeing. Well, it's, it's not the same yeah. team offensively. I mean, they're, they're not putting the puck in the back yeah. of the net. And they have way too much firepower and way too much talent not to have that happen. How much and, of that and, is coaching, though, do you think? Or, or, or none at all? I think there's got to be something yeah. on the coaching. I mean, again, he's making some changes in that, but you know, do you make a change? You can make all the changes you want, but if they're not effective and they don't work, and the players don't respond, you know, it's kind of like the old thing in horse racing. You can have the best horse in the world, but if you if you don't have the best horse in the world, you're not going to win the Derby. You know, you can have the best coaching game plan x's and o's and everything else but if the players don't do it on the ice just like in any other sport they're not getting it done when you have mark stone and max patcheretti and jonathan marshall show and william carlson and riley smith and the, you've got to put it in the back of the net and they've had opportunities that's the thing it's not like they haven't had chances there's no moral victory oh we're out shooting them 47 to 23 mm-hmm. What does the scoreboard say? That's all yep. that matters. They're not taking chances of their opportunity, or opportunity. They're not capitalizing and putting it in the net. They're giving up way too many odd man rushes. When Dallas gets an opportunity, they're putting it in the back of the net. When Vegas gets them and they're getting more of them, they're not doing it. They're not getting rebounds. They're not making it nasty in front of the net. They're not doing the things that it takes to win hockey games. I don't know if they need a nasty streak. I don't know if maybe somebody needs to tell them, Get, get them mad somehow, but they've also got to play under control. Like Jonathan Marshall has been shooting the puck a lot, but then he also takes stupid penalties. Right. It, it, early in the series, we saw Radulov, and it was Dallas taking the dumb penalties. Now Vegas is taking them. You can't do that. You've got to play smarter. You've got to find a way to beat them, and you've got to get something from your top six players. Because if you don't, they're not winning three games in a row. Yeah. We've talked about the physicality before, or lack thereof, from the Golden Knights. And again, that has been the story here with Dallas, the more physical team. Again, they out-hit the Golden Knights 43-31 to in game number four. You, 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 you need to, like you said, get people in front of the net, be a little bit more physical. And again, that's you know playing smart, not playing stupid with the dumb penalties there. But again, if they're getting pushed around here. Really? They're not scoring enough, but they're getting pushed around. Well, and it's funny, too, because remember after game one, when everybody was like, well, I hope Reeves is up there in the stands because he couldn't play that game, and I hope he's taking names. Then he comes in in the second game, 
and Vegas was a lot more physical, and they win that game, and they get the three goals, and everybody's thinking, okay, now everything's on the right path again. And Vegas was physical. Dallas still had more hits, but Vegas played better. They outplayed him that game. They got the victory. They got the shutout win again. Oh, Robin Leonard's got another shutout. He's a shutout machine. He's going to the Hall of Fame right away because he's, you know, four shutouts now in the playoffs. And now you're talking about the physicality. Dallas absorbs that game. They come back, don't play a great game in the next two games, but they find a way to win them both. They're the more physical team again. And Ryan Reeves, who meant so much to the team because he wasn't there in game one and you needed him in game two, he's playing seven or nine minutes a game. So what kind of impact does he have? And one of the reasons he's only playing that many minutes is because you are in such a close-knit game and you can't have them out there. You need your skilled players out there more, but the skilled players aren't getting it done. You can't impose that physical intimidating factor if you can't get those players on the ice. All right. Golden Knights trying to stave off elimination tonight. They're down three games to one. Face off 5 p.m. tonight, and uh, we'll see what happens. And again, when you looked at the, the game on Saturday, they lose 2-1. to one. And again, that was a big swing game. Uh, three out of the four games, it, uh, you, know, you have fallen to the Dallas Stars, and I don't think anyone expected this. From a betting perspective, we're going to talk to Matthew Holt about this as well. The Golden Knights have been at least $1.65 favorites in each and every one of these games. And again tonight, uh, I think a lot of people are thinking, okay, well, they're going to bounce back. They're $1.75 favorite tonight. Are you going to lay it? If you are uh, you know, betting on the Dallas Stars, you've cashed tickets. You've made yourself some quite, quite a much, uh, bit of money here as an underdog. And again, tonight, the wrong team could be favored here. Uh, it very well could be favored here. And again, I think part of it does have to do with the fact that their fan base is so rabid out here and they love this team so much that they're going to stick with it. But how Pete DeBoer says they just got to stay the course and play their game. Well, right now, if you're a Dallas Stars fan, you're staying the course on the betting line and you're just keeping on playing in that game because you're cashing every time. Even if you lose a game, you're still getting plus money every game you win. And right now you're up 3-1. to one. And this has been Dallas throughout this playoff series. In the, first, in the earlier rounds in different games, they were doing that as well. So, And this is a team that came into this playoff, and I really think they played with a little bit of house money. Although they were one of the top four seeds, so they knew that they were in the playoff right away. They weren't playing well at all at the end of the regular season, and I know that was a long time ago. And then Bishop goes down with an injury, and a lot of people kind of wrote him off. I'm surprised, but they've also found that they can win, or they've shown that they can win the high-scoring games like they did with Colorado. Now they're playing these close-knit uh, two-to-one games, one-to-nothing games, and things like that. They're finding ways to win against Vegas as well. This is a pretty good hockey team, although they don't always show it. And the people look at stats all the time, shots on goal, this, that, and the other. You have to look at the entirety of the game and things like you were just bringing up, the physicality, the way that they're hitting. You know, Vancouver out-hit Vegas in some of those games. But I still thought Vegas was the more physical team because of the hits that they had. They were the ones that really got the oohs and ahs. We saw McNabb throwing his body around. We saw Carrier and Reeves certainly was. Now Vegas is getting out-hit. And they're also the bigger hits are coming from Dallas as well. And that's the difference in, in the series. Mm-hmm. Vancouver might have had more hits, but they were hits that it's like, okay, well, that didn't really do damage. Mm-hmm. In this series, Dallas is doing damage with mm-hmm. their hits. And they're starting to play smarter now. And I think Radulov getting that one overtime goal, I think that kind of loosened him a little bit. I think he's playing a little bit better. He's not playing as stupid right now. Mm-hmm. They're a dangerous team. And you could argue it's the first quality team that Vegas has played. Mm-hmm. They beat the Blackhawks, who weren't even a playoff team. They beat Vancouver, who is a year or two away. This is the first mm-hmm. challenge they've had, and right now, they're not living up to it. Yeah. 
And you could see just the way this series is unfolding here that the Golden Knights have got to play with some intensity, their backs against the wall, and they're saying all the right things. All the quotes that we're, we're hearing is like, hey, you know, we got a lot of confidence still. Uh, we believe in ourselves. Uh, we're going to give 100%. And we're not gonna, we don't have any quitters in this locker room. Okay, that's, that's all factual. What's going to happen on the other side of Dallas? I mean, they are in this situation. Let's say they didn't believe they were going to be in this situation up three games to one. Do they take their foot off the gas? Not intentionally. They're not going to do it intentionally. But do they just think, hey, we've got this cushion here. There's no way in the world that we're going to give up. Uh, let's uh, the Vegas Golden Knights come in here and win three consecutive games. What is going to happen tonight? Because conventional wisdom kind of tells you that, okay, Golden Knights back against the wall. They're going to come out fired up, and this could be a three- or four-goal win in favor of the Golden Knights. But it's hard to say that or, or predict that or take your money and go to the sports book and back that when this has been a low-scoring series, goals are at a premium to come by, and if we said in the beginning, I just, I just don't see an explosion of goals coming here, especially the way Huboten's playing. I, I think that's not going to happen for Dallas for a couple reasons. And that's not saying I don't think that Dallas – doesn't have a chance to win the game, but Vegas also has a chance. I still think Vegas is a better team when you look top to bottom and if there's if they can roll four lines, which they haven't had a chance to do. But here's why I don't think Dallas is going to have that. First off, they kind of did that in the last series they played. True. They put Bishop in, in a game. He gave up four goals mm-hmm. in less than ten minutes, and all of a sudden they lost that game. They went from 3-1 to 3-2, and then they found themselves in a seven-game series and needed a kid who had scored one goal the entire season to get a hat-trick in that game to advance. I think that that probably scared them, and they thought, you know what, we're not. That, let's try to wrap it up right now. Because of that series, I think that's where they're going to go to it. They know Vegas is better. They do know that statistically Vegas has outplayed them in a lot of the ways. They have the more shots on goal. So I think they're going to look at that and go, we don't want to give this team any life whatsoever. They're going to try to go for the death punch right now tonight and end this thing. And the other thing, they're looking over at Tampa Bay as well. Tampa Bay's got a 3-1 lead. You don't want to be playing a six- or seven-game series if Tampa Bay is going to wrap it up and give them a chance to get rested. Because remember last time they had a rest, what they did? The 8-2 victory (laughs) over the Islanders in in the first round? I I don't think there's any way that Dallas takes the foot off the gas, even mentally tonight. I think they want to wrap this thing up and get ready for what they are assuming is going to be the Tampa Bay Lightning, especially now that Braden Point came back and played that Mm -hmm. last game again. And there's even talk that Stamkos has been on the ice and he's been skating around. No talk about him coming back or whatever, but just the thought of that guy entering that lineup, as good as they already are, that can uh, you know, send shivers down a lot of people's spines. There's too many things right now. I think Dallas, after the scare they got in the last series, when they did, I don't want to say threw it in, but they said, well, we're up 3-1. to one. Let's yeah. give Bishop a shot. Oh, he's still not ready to go. Oh, damn, we're in a series now. We almost got eliminated. I don't think after that last round that they're going to let that happen again, if they can help it. All right. All right. We'll see what happens tonight. Game number five, facing off a little bit after 5 p.m. tonight. Golden Knights in elimination game, trail three games to one. We'll talk a little bit more about that from a betting perspective with our good friend Matthew Holt, U.S. Integrity. And we'll also talk about tonight's NFL matchups. we got two Monday Night Football games, the traditional opener. We've got Pittsburgh taking on the Giants. That'll kick a little bit after 4 o'clock. And then, of course, uh, tonight, a little bit later on, about 7.15 p.m., we've got the Denver Broncos hosting the Tennessee Titans. So two Monday Night Football games. We'll start breaking that down for you. And when we come back, we will talk about our Monday afternoon quarterback edition of the program where we talk about what our eyes saw yesterday. Matt Holt joins us. We start talking NFL coming up next on a Monday. Turn your head and cough. 
Here's the doctor, T.C. Martin. Football is back. A little bit different looking football than what we saw over the weekend from the college side on Saturday, the NFL yesterday. We've got two more games tonight. No fans, but uh, some interesting games. We're going to break it down for you right now with a good friend. Matthew Holt, U.S. Integrity. What is going on, my man? T.C., how we doing? Uh, I thought it was a pretty hot start to the football season yesterday. It was kind of a hot start. It was. It was. It's still different to watch, but uh, you know we're gonna go over this stuff with you, and we'll we'll all break it down here. Real roundtable discussion of our Monday afternoon quarterback edition, and let's first start, guys, with the. Poor performances we saw from some quarterbacks. Uh, there were plenty of them that uh, that are on uh, you know on the list here. Let's start with Carson Wentz and that collapse that Philly had against the Washington Football Club. And it's still weird for me to to look at the the W that I was seeing up there. I I, I thought I was looking at the University of Washington or something. And it was really weird. But anyway, Carson Wentz two interceptions, got sacked eight times yesterday. In Washington's comeback, 27 unanswered points. Looked like Philadelphia was on cruise control here as a six-point favorite. And not only did Washington come storming back, but what a collapse by Carson Wentz in the Eagles. Yeah, and I thought Philly you know, came out on fire, luckily for them. But when we broke this game down, um, you know, look, I went undefeated in the Circa Millions contest, and I had Washington. It didn't make sense on paper with all the injuries at wide receiver, cluster injuries on the offensive line, and the fact that they were trying to break in a new offensive line. And the one thing you didn't know, you know, whether it was going to be good, bad, indifferent, was what was the road experience going to be like in the NFL. So you had a division opponent. Division underdogs have hit over 60% the last 10 years in weeks one and two. So Washington had that going for them. Then you had to go on the road, the great unknown during COVID, with offensive line and wide receiver injuries. I thought Philly was fortunate where they caught Washington sleeping a little bit in the first half. But at the end of the day, that offensive line issue really let Carson Wentz down in the second half as he was running for his life the entire second half. And it's not going to matter if it's Jalen Hurts or Carson Wentz playing quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles if nobody's going to block. Yeah, the offensive line was downright atrocious, giving up the eight sacks yesterday. So another bad quarterback. Baker Mayfield yesterday, 21 for 39, 189 yards, one touchdown, one interception, a pathetic quarterback rating of 33. And more importantly, if you're a Browns fan, you're just shaking your head saying, here we go again. One in three, he is against Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Not a good sign there. And right now, Matt, Baker Mayfield has more commercials out there than victories. And I'm tired of seeing this ham and egg on my TV. I'll save that for tomorrow. But seriously, he's got more commercials than he has wins. Yeah, I'm, you know, there's a lot not to like sometimes about Maker, Baker Mayfield. And he certainly in the NFL has been a better front runner than he has a, a guy who, who deals with adversity well. If you remember last year at Baltimore, they actually went to Baltimore and smacked the Ravens around after getting off to a hot start. If you can get in the game early and get Baker going, then things tend to go well for him. But he hasn't dealt with adversity well when he gets down in the NFL. NFL. That was the case again yesterday as the Ravens got off to the hot start and you could really see it affect Baker who never got any type of rhythm going. 
Philip Rivers, another disappointing performance. And Philip Rivers looked pretty decent for the most part. High completion percentage yesterday, but down the stretch, Jacksonville comes storming back, and Philip Rivers throws two picks, and that last one just so deadly, which led to the game winner uh, for the Jaguars. Jacksonville was the biggest home underdog on the card yesterday. Uh, Indianapolis led throughout, but then it was the Colts' mistakes that killed him. Frank Wright goes for it. On fourth and goal from the three-yard line, they don't get any points there. Rookie kicker, uh, Rodrigo Blankenship, we remember him from Georgia. seemed like he was there for about eight years. He misses a 30-yarder, hits the upright. And then T.Y. Hilton, one of the most dependable wide receivers, he has two key drops, one on that last drive. And then Marlon Mack, he injures his Achilles. He's out for the year after he gained 26 yards on his first four carries. It just all fell apart for the Colts. And I know a lot of people are saying, that's the Phillip Rivers we know that we saw with the Chargers. And a lot of people thought, okay, this is going to be a good fit for him. But when you go into Jacksonville and you play the way the Colts play down the stretch, downright embarrassing. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was a really poor performance overall for the Colts yesterday. There were some signs of optimism. I mean, Phillip Rivers did what Phillip Rivers did, you know, the last few years with the with the Chargers. Threw for 363 yards. This is a guy who threw for the second most uh, yards in football last year, but also threw two interceptions and one touchdown. He turned the football over. I get that there are some injuries. The offensive line wasn't 100% healthy for the game, but at the end of the day, if Phillip Rivers, who had the second most interceptions in the NFL, I believe, last year, if he keeps throwing two picks a game, going to be hard for the Chargers to win. What's really interesting yesterday, so 13, I think it was like 1,350 people entered the Circa Survivor, $1.3 million up for grabs, 425 people bowed out week one, but the number one overall selection, Indianapolis Colts, bye-bye, 425 folks. Yeah, and I can see that too. I mean, you're thinking, okay, this is a this is a Colts team that's improving. Jacksonville pretty much has lost so many starters, including Leonard Fournette and, and others. Uh, yeah, it was crazy. Uh, again, I, and I fell victim to that too. I had the Colts yesterday. I had the Bills. So I'm still in. You're still good, my man. You're good. We know you're good. No doubt about it. He's Matthew Holt, U.S. Integrity, our guy on the other side of the sports book. Uh, also, guys, the most integrity of our panel. No question about it. You know, it's funny, too, because you see a lot of quarterbacks, and Phillip Rivers is one of those to me, that when they're down in a game, they can come back and make great fourth-quarter comebacks and come from behind. But sometimes when they're in a good situation, you would think that a guy with his experience wouldn't make mistakes. But like you said, throwing the interceptions and that, it's amazing how somebody who's so good at coming from behind when they can be loosey-goosey and go out there and try to win the game that they don't know how to protect the lead sometimes. It, it, it's mind-boggling because you'd expect from a veteran quarterback the exact opposite. Yeah, but he, he he reverted back to his old self. And last year, he like Matt said, he had a disastrous season last year. And that was like the icing on the cake for the Chargers to say, hey, goodbye. You know, we're we got we're going to start from scratch. We'll, we'll draft Justin Herbert. You know, Tyrod Taylor will be that Band-Aid right now, but goodbye, Phillip Rivers. And there were a lot of Charger fans that were sad. Well, I don't know if there are any Charger fans anymore. They're still in San Diego. But, uh, yeah, he he looked like the Phillip Rivers from last year in that fourth quarter yesterday. Well, to go way back in the way back machine, remember, Phillip Rivers was in San Diego all, the, all those years because that particular team gave up on a guy named Drew Brees and got Phillip Rivers way back when. That's true. Because they didn't think Brees could get the job done. So maybe they're also sad about that. Mm-hmm. 
Tom Brady yesterday, guys, uh, two touchdown passes, but two costly interceptions as the Saints beat the Bucks 34-23. I think a lot of people are thinking, hey, this could be an NFC championship preview, and it still could. Uh, the, the Bucks did not look that great yesterday, but you can see this was a battle between two teams, a veteran-laden team where the key pieces have, have played together and with a coaching staff that's been together a long time. That was a difference yesterday. Had nothing to do with being inside the Dome. There were no fans there whatsoever, but the Saints just looked like that veteran team, Matt. Last couple of years, Bill Belichick did a great job of hiding and protecting Tom Brady a little bit by getting that run game going. If you remember the year that the Patriots went to the Super Bowl against the Rams a couple of years ago, that Patriots team ran the football. And suddenly, what was interesting yesterday is Tom Brady went out there and threw the ball 36 times, and they only had 26 rush attempts, and three of them were by Brady. I mean, I really thought that, look, at this point, if you're going to you need to take some pressure off off Tom Brady. You know, this offensive line isn't good enough for him to sit back, and he's not athletic enough to buy himself time. So you have to at least make people believe you may run the football. We heard that, uh, you know, Jones was supposed to be better this year, and he looked okay yesterday. 17 carries, like 68 yards or something. He was all right. Um, you know, they, they brought Leonard Fournette in late. I think they probably should have stuck with Keyshawn Vaughn and got him some more carries. Fournette didn't look ready to play yesterday. But I'm not 100% sure what to make of this Tampa Bay team. The defense was supposed to be a lot better. They didn't necessarily look like it yesterday. And if Tom Brady's throwing the ball 40 times a game, I'm not sure how much success they're going to have. All right, and looking at the Patriots, what they did yesterday, sure, they were playing the Dolphins, but it was the debut for Cam Newton. Rushed the ball 15 times, 75 yards. He did take some some pops and some hits, but you know it was the the uh, most rushing attempts for a New England quarterback in their franchise history. Obviously, you go back to Drew Bledsoe and you go uh, to Tom Brady. You know, they're not running quarterbacks, but uh, Cam Newton looked good yesterday, and the New England defense is probably even better with three picks as they beat the Dolphins 21 to 11, and they cover. Yeah, and we just talked about Tampa Bay not running the football, only 23 rush attempts by players not named Tom Brady. On the other side of it, what does Belichick and the Patriots do in a time that's, you know, with less practices and COVID? They ran the ball 42 times yesterday against the Miami Dolphins. Cam Newton, an efficient 15 for 19, and most important, no turnovers. That's how you get the job done. That's why the Patriots won by double digits, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost by double digits. It definitely was comeback Sunday yesterday, and we talk about how Philadelphia let that 17 nothing lead squander to Washington as they scored 27 unanswered points. Uh, probably another the, the biggest collapse was the Detroit Lions as they led Chicago 23-6 to with 13 minutes to go. I know Frank was real happy about this. I want to know, Frank, did you give up on this game, though? Did you turn the channel and you were going to the U.S. Open? Well, I did watch an awful lot of U.S. Home because the, 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 the team and Zverev match was very intriguing right. to me. The women's final. It lasted Saturday for about five hours, was too. Even but anyway. better. It was right. four hours and one minute, actually, to be there exact. Okay. But, um, but, yeah, but um, I, I didn't give up on the game because it's the Lions. I mean, the, the Bears and Lions out there, I mean, these games are never over until they're done because both teams can be god-awful sometimes, but uh, you know what? If a quarterback gets hot, things can happen. Was I expecting 21 points in the fourth quarter to pull out the victory? No. But again, it was against the Lions. So did I think there was a chance? Yeah. 
You know, Matt, I looked at this game, and with Detroit basically being a two, two-and-a-half-point favorite, I said, you know, I want to make a case for the Lions here. And I wanted to pull the trigger, but I didn't pull the trigger. And I started making a case for the Bears, and I read a lot into the Trubisky-Nick Foles controversy and that sort of thing. I said, this is an unhandicappable game. I don't know how to handicap this side. And that's exactly what happened. I'm glad I stayed away from this thing. But look at this. I mean, the Bears were behind... 23-6 with 13 minutes to go. Then they scored. They're down 23-13 with three minutes to go. And then Stafford gets picked off. And then uh, tr- what he does best. Exactly. And Trubisky. <laughs> and that was not Stafford's fault, though. It was a tip pass. So I will say that. But Trubisky to Taylor for the lead at 27-23. And then it looks like, okay, maybe Matt Stafford may redeem himself. And uh, he comes back. And with a ball of the Chicago 21 with 11 seconds to go, Stafford threw to a wide-open DeAndre Swift, the rookie out of Georgia, dropped the ball in the end zone. He was there, straddled at the goal line, knowing within about four or five feet of him, started to move upfield. He didn't even need to do that, and he drops it. Ball game over. Lions had a chance to win this thing. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with the Detroit Lions under Matt Patricia. It has been an absolute train wreck. Look, Matthew Stafford threw for 297 yards yesterday. The newly acquired Adrian Peterson rushes for almost 100 yards yesterday. I mean, they're supposed to go out and get the win. They're up 17 with 13 minutes to go. This is finally the year. The curse gets off. Matt Patricia's back. Maybe he could start using pens instead of pencils. It's been unbelievable, and yet they do it again. 21 nothing Bears in the fourth quarter. The drop by Swift was so terrible. I couldn't imagine being a rookie coming out and having that drop on that team, that, a team that's already snake-bitten. I don't even know how Swift recovers from it. I don't know if Patricia makes it through the rest of this season. They paid Matthew Stafford so much money, and, and this team just cannot do anything under Matt, anything right under Matthew you, Patricia. Uh, just unbelievable yesterday. I don't know if there was a worse defense performance than what the Minnesota Vikings turned in yesterday. Aaron Rodgers was phenomenal. Had a field day, 364 yards, four touchdowns. And I'm watching this game, and, and the Vikings defense was on the field for the entire first half, and they were clinging to a lead until Kirk Cousins threw an interception. And when he threw that interception before halftime, it was his fourth pass attempt. I've never seen a quarterback only throw in this past happy NFL that we're in, four pass attempts in an entire half, gets it picked off, then Rodgers comes down with a long touchdown pass, and then it was Green Bay for the rest of the way. Score very misleading, 43-34. to But Cousins was, was, was pretty awful. Yeah, he got some garbage stats there in the fourth quarter when the game was already over. Rodgers phenomenal, but the Vikings defense, and this is supposed to be you know, their calling card. You know, with Mike Zimmer and everything, they looked atrocious, Matt. I think that the team that got overrated the most in terms of how they did in in the offseason was the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, they lost some serious people, including Everson Griffith to the Dallas Cowboys, two starting players in the secondary, uh, Stephon Diggs on the offense. I mean, they lost a lot of key guys, and everybody talked about what a good draft they had and how they had four players in the first two rounds that could all be starters for all pro starters for a decade. Maybe they will be starters for a decade, but right 
right now they're first game rookies, and it showed yesterday for the Minnesota Vikings. It all those losses of personnel really seem to pile up. They ran 47 plays the entire game to 76 offensive plays for the Green Bay Packers. This thing, to your point, was a blowout. It wasn't even as close as the final score would indicate, and they still lost by, uh, I mean, they ended up losing by nine, but this thing was blowout city. Speaking of bad defense, we saw a couple bad defenses yesterday as the Raiders and the Panthers combined for 760 yards. No defense whatsoever. One sack combined by these two teams. The Raiders had a sack. No interceptions. A total of only five punts. And the Raiders, they make history. They, they get their first victory. They're 1-0 as the Las Vegas Raiders. They win 34-30 to yesterday. What was your thoughts, Matt, when you were watching the Raiders and Panthers yesterday? Look, this was a 50-50 coin flip game. I mean, to your point, both neither one of these teams is playing any defense. I was a little underwhelmed with the accuracy of Teddy Bridgewater in the second half. He, he overthrew a, Christian McCaffrey wide open a couple times. He missed some open receivers a couple of times. He didn't have a bad game, 270 yards, a touchdown, no picks. But at the end of the day, he wasn't all that accurate down the stretch when they needed him to be. We knew the Carolina defense was going to be bad. They have eight new starters on that defense out of 11. You know, eight out of 11 players are new on the Carolina defense. I thought the Oakland Raiders defense was supposed to be a little bit better. It certainly didn't look like it yesterday. be interesting to see how that Raiders defense performs this week as they take on the New Orleans Saints. All right, Matthew Holt joins us, U.S. Integrity. Matt, let's go around here and let's talk about what was the biggest surprise for you yesterday in the NFL? Oh, biggest surprise. Uh, You know, none of these seemed that big of a surprise. I guess if I was saying what was the one game that I didn't expect Maybe the Arizona Cardinals, I guess. I know they've been getting a lot of love. I know they had two good performances against the Niners last year, and I knew the Niners' receiving core was banged up, but they looked lifeless yesterday offensively, especially in the second half, losing outright at home in a division that's going to be really tough this year. Rams got a win. Seattle got a win. Uh, That's a bad start for the San Francisco 49ers. I don't know if that was much of a surprise for me because I, th- you know, the way Arizona and Kyler Murray performed against the Niners last year on two occasions, it didn't surprise me that Arizona got the cover. They did get the outright win, but you know, Jimmy Garoppolo. Here we go, this guy making a ton of money, and I'm just wonder if Bill Belichick is saying, "Hey, you know, you, you know, you, this is why we didn't keep this guy around because this guy, we saw what he he collapsed in the Super Bowl. He collapsed uh, again yesterday, and we've seen this in fourth quarters from Garoppolo." And I, I hopefully, if you're a Niner fan, this isn't a trend. Yeah, I agree. And, again, you look at his numbers, if you didn't watch the game, you go, oh, you know, 19 of 33, that's not great. It's not the best completion percentage. But two touchdowns, no interceptions. But to your point, the second half, he couldn't complete a ball again. As soon as the pressure came on, and we saw it in the Super Bowl, too, as soon as the pressure was on in the second half, he, he just did not seem to be able to, to handle that pressure well, did not deal with adversity well yesterday, and looked terrible in the second half. Yeah, and I thought Murray looked really good in that game. My biggest surprise was, although I said that I never gave up on the game, 
I was surprised to see the Bears get 21 points in the fourth quarter. <laughs> and then again, to, to have Detroit just snake bitten like they are, have a receiver, have a chance to win it, and find a way to lose once again. Although I've seen it time after time in my lifetime with Detroit finding ways to lose games. Trubisky fighting for that starting spot. We don't even know if he's really the starting quarterback. He won it for now. There's always so much question marks about both these teams, but to outscore them 21 to nothing and see Detroit just once again create a way to lose a football game, that did surprise me, very pleasantly surprised me, but um, I, I probably shouldn't have been surprised by it. But 21 to nothing to a Bears team that had done nothing offensively right. the entire game, and then again, have a chance to win once again, and it wasn't a referee's bad call because of a non-catch or something like that, like years ago when Detroit can find ways to have the officials rob a game from them. They took it away from themselves. So I was surprised, pleasantly surprised, but the Detroit Lions being the Lions, I'm not going to put too much into the win by the Bears. Still think it's going to be a very long season in Chicago. There it is. All right, Matt, from a betting perspective, you know, we didn't really have much to handicap with here. Not a whole lot of information coming out of all the training camps, no preseason, no exhibition games. Not you getting a chance to see much of the depth charts. But the favorites and dogs pretty much split yesterday. If you go back to Thursday's game included, 7-6-1 and one for the favorites. And then tonight we've got a couple games, and we'll touch on those. But give us your quick thoughts about dogs versus favorites yesterday. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there were situations. Baltimore won in a blowout. Kansas City won pretty handily. You know what was interesting? Buffalo won pretty handily. Look at teams like Buffalo and Kansas City. So Buffalo's had the same coach, offensive coordinator, coordinator and defensive coordinator for four years. What a surprise in a year where you don't get as many practices in and don't have a preseason. They fared well. The teams that are struggling to me, and it's pretty obvious, are teams with new offensive lines, new quarterbacks, and new coaching staffs. All right, tonight, Steelers favored by six on the road at the Meadowlands against the Giants. Give us some thoughts on that. It is the return of Ben Roethlisberger against a very young, inexperienced Giants team. Maybe minus for Saquon Barkley, though. Yeah, so I have the G-Men plus six to try to open up 5-0 and in the Circa Millions tonight, and I like... I like New York here. I think, look at all the weapons they have. Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard, finally all healthy for the first time. I mean, I don't know that they all played a game together last year. It seems like one of them was out all the time. Here we go, Daniel Jones, who at times certainly looked dynamic. Now he has a year under his belt, has all his weapons available. I still think that that New York Giants defense is is probably one of the bottom third defenses in the league, but they can't be any worse than last year. And Pittsburgh's offense struggled mightily, and I think maybe the greatest unknown of all the teams in the entire NFL right now, the biggest unknown might be, what are you going to get from Big Ben and the Pittsburgh Steelers offensively? We know their offense was terrible last year. Other than Juju Smith-Scheister, that offense doesn't bring back very many familiar faces. James Conner, who's a workhorse but not very dynamic. That offensive line may be average, slightly above average now. What does Big Ben have left in the tank? Um, that remains to be seen. Six points on the road seems like a lot. Road underdogs fare pretty well weeks one and two. I'm on the G-men. All right, and the uh, nightcap tonight, Tennessee on the road at Denver. Tennessee minus three. Some thoughts? 
You know what? I like Tennessee in this spot, and I agree that you know there's a couple of tough injuries here. Cortland Sutton banged up. Von Miller out. It's a huge problem for a team like Denver, who basically predicates their whole defense around uh, a guy like Von Miller. But on the other side, I don't know that the, uh, Tennessee might be getting a little bit too much love tonight. Teams playing in Denver weeks one and two, especially in a year with no training camps and, and no preseason, that altitude tends to get to people early in the season anyway. Now with no preseason and people you know, probably aren't in as good a shape as normal this time of year, that altitude at mile high could pose a real problem. I understand why people are backing Tennessee. It would just make me nervous. Final thing for you, Matt. Golden Knights, a dollar seventy-five favorite again. The uh, Dallas Dogs, man, they have uh, been uh, rolling here, covering three out of four games, winning three out of these four games. Give us some thoughts about the Golden Knights being a heavy favorite again tonight, and do they extend this series? And not just a heavy favorite, but taking overwhelming action. This is a spread that opened around minus 160. It's minus 175, minus 180 tonight. So a lot of people uh, with some serious belief in the Golden Knights. Look, something just kind of went awry with this team, and you saw it after you know after about Game Three of the Vancouver uh, series, where you know they just didn't seem to be clicking anymore. Shots were going really wayward. They weren't on uh, on. Uh, very accurate at all, and suddenly they go seven games with a Vancouver team that we were a lot better than, barely get by them, and it's just carried over into this Dallas series. There is zero chance I would lay a dollar eighty tonight with the Vegas Golden Knights. I'll be home rooting for them, but I wouldn't bet it. Well, one thing's been consistent: the under is cashed in every game. Yeah, I just and it, it, that goes back to the Vancouver series. I mean, look, it, uh, right through the first four play-in games, round-robin games, uh, Vegas was uh, was on fire, scoring goals into their first series. They were on fire. Now, after about game three of that Vancouver series on, they just cannot find the back of the net. And you're right, it's been an under-under-under run for the Vegas Golden Knights. All right, my man, we'll let you go. Appreciate the time today, breaking it down for us, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, TC, best of luck tonight, my friend. Take care. There he is, Matthew Holton. You can see his best bets as part of our crew that we give to you every Friday up on the website at tcmartinshow.com. We'll talk to you about those best bets. We'll also take one final look at the two games tonight uh, for Monday Night Football when we come back. Hi, this is Lennox Lewis, last undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, and you're listening to the TC Martin Show. Make sure you visit the website, tcmartinshow.com. Check it all out. Our best bets up there. I think we got some action going tonight. Two Monday Night Football games. Steelers taking on the Giants. And the Broncos hosting the Titans. Oh, Frank, this is your first uh, foray into the best bets. How do you think you did? I know you did good on Saturday, and you hit your Bears yesterday. Well, I actually did terrible on Saturday, but yeah. on Sunday I bounced back a little bit. I was 500 for the week, so, you know, I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it's uh, got off to a bad start. Obviously, um, I way, way, way over-respected Iowa State, yeah, but uh, right. I was happy that I once again uh, went went against Scott Spritzer with uh, that Seattle and Atlanta pick there. That's so, uh, right. And, and you and I both did. And, yeah. and I got to say, another thing that we were both on the same side of, 
Clemson gave that game away. Yo. That should not have been a loss. I, I back to, That's why I don't like big lines like that, but mm-hmm. I just thought they're going to make a statement. They want to be number one, this, that, and the other. And it looked that way. Well, <laughs> they had the game. I mean, come on, man. I know. Come on, man. Exactly. And they should have took the attitude that Oklahoma did. Oklahoma just scored at will. It was 41 to nothing at halftime. They were favored by 47 and a half. They knew what the line was. They go, okay, let's get one more touchdown. Final, 48 nothing. It's like Barry Switzer was back there or something. Exactly. Barry, Barry Switzer and Tom Osborne when they were running up on every, everybody years ago. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So, uh, tonight, uh, Steelers. The line now up to six on the road against the Giants. What are we going to see from Ben Roethlisberger? What are we going to see from Pittsburgh? We talked a lot about the offense, but that Steelers defense is arguably the best in the NFL and against you know going against uh, the young Daniel Jones. Um, that's why I guess I would probably lean towards the Steelers just because, mm-hmm. and again, uh, like, like Matt just said, you know, their offense isn't that great. They weren't that great last year, but you think the defense is probably going to shut down the G-men and maybe even cause a turnover or something like that. And those can be difference makers in games like that. All right. The current line is Steelers favored by six and a total of 45. Uh, I don't know. I, don't I mean, have... I, I'm not touching it. Yeah. But, but I. But again, if you're if you're going to say what would I, I would lean towards that just because their defense is that good. Yeah. Four ten kickoff there, and then the second Monday night game, uh, the Titans on the road in Denver minus three. We talked about the injuries that the Broncos have tonight. I think a lot of people, very consensus popular pick is the Tennessee Titans tonight, especially. You know the way they came, you know, storming back the way they did last year, nearly taking you know taking Kansas City all the way to the brink, and then you've got uh, Ryan Tannehill and, and Derrick Henry, uh, who's ready to go. And again, you know, rested up, no preseason, you know, uh, you know games whatsoever. Henry with some some healthy legs and everything uh, in Denver is Denver. Drew Locke gets the start, the Broncos quarterback. Kind of a short number for Tennessee if you like the Titans tonight, laying only three. Yeah, and again, you know, Matt was talking about, too, and I thought he brought up an interesting point there, because we keep on saying how there's no home field advantage this year with no fans in the stand, but there are in some stadiums in different ways. The altitude in Denver is a factor a little bit. So, And again, one thing when we were talking about surprises, and I didn't even think about this until Matt was talking about these other things there, one thing that did surprise me was I thought the play this week was pretty crisp. I thought the tackling was pretty good. We didn't see a ton of flags. In fact, it seemed like there were fewer flags. So maybe when you don't have 60,000 people, People, you know, throwing stuff and booing the officials and that. Maybe they can just make the calls they want to. There's no intimidation or something. But I thought the play was pretty good. But that's what you maybe got to look for when you're looking at these home field advantages and that. Even though there's no fans, is there an altitude factor? Is there a, a crown on the field a little bit? Is there wins or something like that that other teams have to deal with? There's different ways of home field advantages that I think people are going to be looking at and I'm sure the sports folks will look at this year. So maybe that's an advantage. But with no preseason games and everything else, who knows? I mean, remember, Tom Brady looked sensational in that one preseason in the scrimmage game where he threw the three touchdown passes. That's right. Not so much in the actual game, though. Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see what happens tonight. Uh, Interesting. And then, you know, just looking at everything, the way it it portrayed itself on television yesterday, very quiet. Some 
um, you know, venues were using the piped-in crowd noise. Heard a little bit of it uh, in the dome yesterday, but I think again, you know, keeping it at seventy-five decibels. I think that's what we talked about last week. A little bit strange. And there were there were two venues that allowed fans. Okay, Kansas City on Thursday night. Uh, had 17,000 people there, and then they issued out 16,000 uh, tickets in Jacksonville. About 13,500 13, redeemed them actually showed up. I'm not sure how many were actually Jaguar fans, but I was watching that game. I had no idea there were any fans in the stands because they didn't seem that loud at all. Well, and like you said, it's funny because some of the places with the piped-in crowd noise are louder than some of the places with fan bases in it. And then if you go back to Saturday and you look at some of that, like you saw fans in some of the stands there. I know Notre Dame was one of them. And in Notre Dame, it's like they're asking everybody to social distance, but you're going to ask college kids after a three-hour game to eventually they all start going together and they're in their packs and that kind of stuff. So I'm curious to see what they see going forward in college and in the pros, but even more so in college because you're not going to get kids to stay away from each other for three and a half or four hours. Plus, they're they're having they're, they're tailgating out in the parking yes. lot before the game yeah. anyhow, making food and, and swapping beers and that kind of stuff without their mask on, and then they're going to the stadium. Now, stay away. TC and Frank, you guys have got to be six feet away from each yeah. other. Okay, we will at, during the national anthem maybe. Yeah. Because I don't like his singing anyhow, but eventually you're gonna, they're, they're all gonna get together in their groups. So, to your point, I'm watching the K State Arkansas State game there in Manhattan, Kansas, and I thought I was looking at some old video because they were like jam packed in there in the student section and they're dancing and everything. I'm going, and then they show the next shot in the end zone, it's very sparse, and in the corners on the other side, it was sparse. But I said, no, then they, they showed it again. They were like jam-packed. I swear there was like 5,000 fans all together sitting right next to each other. I'm going, what's going on here? Now, personally, I loved it. I thought that was pretty cool, but they did have masks on. And again, you know, I'm one of these guys, and we'll talk about this tomorrow too, the Terrible Tuesday, that you can get more fans in these stands. You can. You have limited home dates to make money, limited entertainment you know, uh, options, especially for students and boosters. Come on, we can do this better. You can do it, man. You can do it. So I actually enjoyed seeing the K-State, you know, fans, you know, actually, you know, partying and dancing and, and hooting and hollering. Well, you also have to be realistic about the way you're going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you're also you got to be realistic you, about the Quake. way you do it. Yeah. Because if you're going to allow it, newsflash, they're not going to stay social distance the entire exactly. time. It is not going to happen. Yeah. All right. I want to thank Matthew Holt for joining us, talking a little NFL. Okay, tonight, Golden Knights, will we see a game six? Call it. Come on, Frank. Get off the fence. I think we will. Quake? No. Quake says no? We're done. We're done. All right, we'll see what happens. All right, game five tonight at 5 o'clock. Tomorrow, Terrible Tuesday. we got plenty of thoughts with that. So tune in tomorrow, and we'll continue on, and we'll recap what happens in game five. All right, guys, appreciate it. If you miss any part of the show, you know where to go. Go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. Have yourself a good one. Enjoy your Golden Knights tonight. NFL football. We reconvene tomorrow at 2 o'clock.